Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talk of the Town. It's time for the Fantasy Baseball Hour with your host, Matt Stryker and Mike the Roto Cop. People are still buzzing from our debut episode where we got to talk to the Sheriff Chris Paddock ahead of his dominant performance of the New York Mets. And now I think, Mike, the word is spreading around the baseball world as if you come on the Fantasy Baseball Hour, your next start or your next game, you'll be amazing. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right on the money with that. It's funny. I was watching uh, Fantasy Best Friends Forever yesterday, and I got in the YouTube chat, and I said, Chris Paddock's been doing really well ever since he appeared on the Fantasy Baseball Hour. So anybody out there that wants to uh, shove like Chris Paddock did the other night, and what perfect timing it was to, to release that interview the, the day before he went out there and dominated the Mets and all that controversy that came along with it. Really awesome timing and really awesome interview for those who haven't heard it yet. Yeah, and timing is everything. And I put out a tweet yesterday uh, after Pete Alonso's dong, they cut quickly to Paddock and he just had a death stare. And my tweet was that at Mike the Rotocop, eats this stuff up and now all he's going to want to talk about is wrestling because this is now, very now it's, wwe-esque yes, yes. It's, a re- it's a wrestling angle with storytelling and good guys and bad guys i guess in this regard who are the good guys the padres or the mets uh, i would say most people out there would say the mets are the good guys because patty kind of created this uh on his own on his own uh what's the word fruition i believe uh, okay or it's fair enough but i think that on the flip Paddock is like this anti-hero. He's like a stone cold Steve Austin now. You know, he's not your traditional good guy. What? But he'll beat your ass. Do you think you could beat Chris Paddock in a fight? Absolutely not. I don't know if you've seen his Instagram. This guy's throwing around like stacks of hay in the offseason and really doing uh, a lot more yard work than I'm, uh, I'm accustomed to here in New York. You know who likes to, to throw around stacks of hay is another big tough guy that we should try to get on the show is my friend Billy Gunn. Remember Billy Gunn from the New Age Of course Outlaws? I remember Billy Gunn. Of course, the famouser. Yeah, he's got two words for you. All right, speaking of two words, why don't we go and jump around? Basically, this is where Mike and I just kind of give our thoughts about things that have been happening in the league, maybe things that happened the night before, things that have been happening days prior. And the first thing that everyone's going to be talking about today, ad nauseum, is going to be Mike Fire's no-hitter. Uh, I wanted to dive a little deeper into it and just kind of crunch the numbers. He did the he did it on 131 pitches. In this day and age, that's impressive because guys are usually lifted right around the 100 pitch mark. Uh, are you surprised that uh, Fires was allowed to go uh, that deep into the game considering what, what he was working with? It's pretty crazy that he has two career complete games and they're both came in no hitters. So, uh, I mean, I guess that's the key for him going nine is as long as he give up, gives up no hits, he's going. I woke up this morning and I, uh, I went on the, on the game cast to see how Nick Senzo did. I fell asleep early, so I didn't know fires through the – I didn't go on Twitter. I didn't know fires through the no hitter. 
And I go to see how Nick Senzo did and no hits. I'm looking through the whole line. I'm no hits, no hits, no hits. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, Mike Fires threw a no hitter. I click on Oakland. There it is. No hitter, nine innings, no hits. Like, what the hell is going on? So I, um, I watched the highlights, the condensed version of it. Back-to-back insane plays in the sixth inning. I know you said you were watching the game. Profar had that awesome catch uh, behind first base over there in the short outfield. And then, and then the bad guy, Laser Ramon, robs Joey Votto of a home run. The, that, that must have been an insane game to watch. I wish I stayed up for it now. But Mike Fires throwing a no-hitter was not one of the things I expected to see when I woke up this morning. Mike, are you happy that within the first few minutes we've had a Stone Cold Steve Austin, Billy Gunn, and Razor Ramon reference? Listeners, I think listeners can't see the look on my face right now. I'm, I'm <laughs> smiling ear to ear. So uh, breaking, breaking fires down a little more. Uh, what I saw was that he did this with the cutter and the four-seam fastball, and it's just interesting moving forward as far as fantasy value goes. If – Fires has confidence in these pitches and, and the league doesn't catch up. Fires may be worth uh, some streaming options. He might even be worth rostering. I mean, I know I had him in a, in a few leagues and, and definitely am eating crow because I did drop him. I did not have any shares of him in my seven leagues. But uh, some more numbers on this no-hitter. Ten of his outs came on the ground. Always good to hear. Always good to see a guy getting outs on the ground. On the flip, 11 of the outs came in the air, and we also have to take into consideration that this did happen in Oakland. He had one uh, double play, and his uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio was 6-2. to two. It wasn't a, a oh-my-gosh kind of stat line. It didn't blow you away. He was just, you know, he was fairly efficient. He did it on 131 pitches, like I said. And I think it's the 300th no-hitter in league history. I think I saw that stat as well. You can either confirm or deny that for me. I did not see what number it was. 300 sounds a bit high, but I'll take your word for it. As far as Fires' fantasy value goes, we all know what Mike Fires is. I don't think you're getting much out of him that you weren't expecting already. Maybe once a year, once every couple of years, you can get a no-hitter out of him if you stream him on the right, uh, the right day. But other than that, I don't think Fires has any fantasy value. All right, so that's my first lily pad on this jump around on the fantasy baseball pond. Uh, what's your first one? I'm going to start with uh, Caleb Smith, the all-star Caleb Smith, if things keep going the way they're going now. He had six and two-thirds with two earned and 11 strikeouts last night against the Cubs, which brings him to a 2.11 ERA on the season, 56 strikeouts, only 12 walks and 42 innings pitched, 42-plus innings pitched. So his his arsenal is pretty simple. He, he mixes up his fastball slider changeup. But all three pitchers are grading out as plus pitchers right now. The batting average against his changeup is 192. The batting average against his slider is 159. He actually has a 16.7 swing strike percentage. League average is 11. His O swing, like we touched on in the first episode, 37.5%. League average is 30.1. I'm a little wary of his BABIP only being 239, so expect some regression in the ERA department, but not much because the way he's looking right now, he really should be an all-star. His next starts against the Mets, and it's just crazy to think that the Yankees traded him and Garrett Cooper for Mike King, who's in the minors for them right now. But Mike King's not going to be nearly as good as Caleb Smith is, and who knows what Garrett Cooper's going to end up being. He's been up and down throughout his career so far. But Caleb Smith really hit the scene hard here, and I'd be uh, intrigued to get a, some sort of breakdown on Caleb Smith in our next uh, podcast coming up on Friday, no? Yeah, uh, if, if if only we had someone waiting in the wings that could possibly break this down. Oh, what joy it would be, but we can't necessarily announce anything until the ink 
on the uh, 10-day contract that we're trying to sign this analyst to is dry. I want to ask you, does Caleb Smith's team in any way bother you or scare you off? Or is his stuff just so good right now that would you, A, roster him rest of season or at least roster him? I know a lot of people do. Or is he a streaming kind of guy? How do you sit on Caleb Smith so he says, get off of me, Mike? As as far as wins, I mean, I'm not really pitching Caleb Smith to to get more wins. That's not what he's there for. He's there to to correct ratios, bring down your ERA, bring down your whip, get your strikeouts. Like I said, he had 11 strikeouts last night, which is awesome for him. And it seems like the sky's the limit. I'm very intrigued to see what he does against a, a Mets lineup that wasn't really hitting until uh, Pete Alonso kind of broke out again last night. But I'm very intrigued to see what happens in his next start and, and going forward. All right, so I'm going to stay with pitching a guy that I do have rostered, and he did uh, hurt me yesterday because he, t- he took a minus in my points category, and that's Max Freed. Some people want to call him Max Fried, but either way you look at it, he was coming into last night's start with four wins. He had a 34 to 8 strikeout to walk ratio. For those who don't know what that means, it's 34 strikeouts to eight walks. That's impressive. He also was coming in with a 2.11 ERA, similar to Smith. But then a line drive off of his hand took him out of the game. He was charged with four runs. So that ballooned his ERA, but it's still under three. X-rays, I've read, have come back negative, And Freed should make his next start. I want to say it's Sunday against Arizona. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, my take on Freed. And I'm happy that he's going to make his next start. Yeah, Freed's Freed's been a revelation this year. He uh he's making a lot of owners happy. One uh one thing I wanted to mention on Caleb Smith before we go for Freed here. Caleb Smith was drafted behind Jeff Samarja, behind Trevor Cahill, behind Matt Harvey in uh, NFBC leagues, and that's just insane to think about. Four weeks, five weeks later, I know NFBC is doing more drafts over Memorial Day weekend. Yes. So Caleb Smith's definitely not going to go behind those guys, and he's definitely not going to be the hundred, uh, 150th pitcher off the board. Are as far you, as my, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, what were you going to say? I said, are you going to be jumping in in any of those uh, NFBC redraft leagues? I am like TBD at the moment, to be decided. I got to uh, figure out some finances and how I'm going to uh, <laughs> keep keep this under wraps so my girl doesn't find out that I spent more money on fantasy baseball this season. I told her I was done uh, in April, so we'll see which end the end of March. So we'll see what uh, what happens with that. But like you said on Max Freed, he he really has been great, and the good news is the X rays were negative. So anytime it's your pitching hand, it's something to monitor. So obviously keep an eye on it. But as long as he says he's healthy and the Braves say he's healthy, just keep rolling him out there. Yeah, and just so you know, I want you to know, so evidently my girl and your girl talk, and they listen to the show, and they both text each other back and forth. I just I saw my girl's phone with these emojis, these eye roll, and these like vomit emojis, because evidently all we do is talk baseball, and I think they're both conspiring to leave us, like <laughs> Thelma and Louise. They're just going to drive off the cliff, but uh, hopefully they, they still love us. Is there something else that caught your eye in, uh, in Basie Ball in the last few days that you want to talk about before we move on? Uh, yeah, a couple of things. Last night, um, Ty Buttrey got the eighth, and Hansel Robles got the ninth. That's just something to monitor there. Yeah. Buttrey got nine one two in the lineup. Robles got three four five. and he shut the door. So that seems to be a, a true committee uh, closer committee there. Anthony Swarzak blew another save for the Mariners last night. He hasn't gotten a save since April 20th. He came in in a 4-2 game against the Yankees, ended up giving up three runs in the bottom of the ninth. 
at this point, uh, Ronis Elias should be getting the bulk of the saves. And Carter Kaboom was sent down. This happened uh, earlier in the day yesterday, so this news has been circulating for a while. And I don't want a Monday morning, uh, Monday morning quarterback the situation. I even added him in Yahoo. But just a, a word of advice, even when you're, when you're dealing with Fab, use it carefully because – and you really got to think things out because guys are spending some of the numbers here in the TGFBI, which is the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. I, you'll hear me refer to it throughout the episodes that we do. 315 industry guys combined for how many ever leagues it was, 15-man leagues. So you could see everybody's acquisitions over the weeks. And Carter Kaboom went for $421 when he got called up, 401 357 352 351 The numbers go on and on. For 42% of your budget, he has to do some serious damage to return value. So it's just something to keep an eye on when you're spending fab. And on the other side of the spectrum, don't give up on him next time he gets called up because guys don't always succeed in their first their first stints. Look at what Vlad Jr. is doing now. I know it's early, but he hasn't been hitting too well. Mike Trout hit 220 in his first cup of coffee. So don't give up on Carter Kaboom the next time he comes up and say, oh, this guy's been up. He sucks. He can't hit major league pitching. Just just slow play it. If I, if I were to give any advice, I would say slow play it. All right. Uh, something that I wanted to talk about. So I have a, a few friends out in the Chicago land area, guys like CM Punk and Colt Cabana that are big wrestling fans and big baseball fans. I would imagine they'd be big wrestling fans. They make quite a living. Are they wrestling. big wrestling fans? I think they would be, Mike. I'm still a big wrestling fan. Well, that, that I, I can't speak on. I, I, that I don't know. But I do know that he's a big uh, hockey and baseball fan. And when the Cubbies went on their six-game losing streak, I, uh, I texted both of them just with an LOL because I'm a Cardinal fan and I like to use hip terms like LOL because I'm young with the kids. <laughs> but after that six-game losing streak, I wanted to talk about the Cubs' last 20 games. Going back to April 13th, this team is 15-5. They've won series against the Dodgers and the Cardinals, respectively. They are now the second-best team in the NL, the fourth-best team in all of Major League Baseball. And in the last 14 days, they've been doing it with two guys that – I think have a cool kind of Brangelina thing. I call them Brizzo. It's Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant. And those I can't see, Mike is putting the finger in the mouth vomit sign as I say that. <laughs> but Anthony Rizzo in the last 14 days is hitting 313 with five home runs, 14 RBIs. He's even swiped a bag. In the last 14 days, Chris Bryant's hitting 302 with five home runs and 15 RBIs. So Rizzo and Bryant owners, if, if you were patient, Look, guys, it's only the first week in May. Guys are going to start to do what guys do. Players are thawing out now, and the league is going to correct itself. So if you're a Rizzo or a Bryant owner, sit tight because I think the best is yet to come. Yeah, and as far as Anthony Rizzo goes, he's right on par with what he's done most of his career as far as starting the season slow goes. Chris Bryant, all the all – the Perfields have been there for him. So it was just a matter of time before he broke out. He hit the walk-off homer last night. He's homered in three straight games and reached safely in 17 straight. Like you said, the Cubs are hot. They won eight out of nine. So if, you, uh, if you're a Brian or Rizzo owner or most of these guys on the Cubs, Javi Baez has gone off to a tremendous start. There's a lot of, a lot of hitters in that Cubs lineup that you, you want to own. And if you do own, just, just sit tight because they're going to break out if they haven't broke out already. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to give you our DFS picks as well as some other fun and gunning when the Fantasy Baseball Hour comes back after this. Hello, everyone. This is Beverly the Rotocop. I'm Michael's mother. And I want you to know that when Michael talks about all of these sabermetrics, honestly, my husband Herb and I, we don't know what to do. 
but now that we listen to the Fantasy Baseball Hour, I know what Woba is, and my husband knows what Skip is. And Michael, one day you'll know what cleaning your room is. Now back to Matt and Mike. All right, welcome back to the Fantasy Baseball Hour, and this is where we go into the bread and butter, the way we make our money, daily fantasy picks. Mike and I love daily fantasy. Mike's a big DraftKings guy. I'm a big FanDuel guy. And uh, we're going to give you some picks for today. And then I have some picks for tomorrow. Today is Wednesday. The first hitter that I like is a guy that is getting hot in his last couple of games. His name is Starling Marte, and he faces Shelby Miller. And Marte is hitting 400 against Shelby Miller. And I like that. So I'm going to spend a little money on Starling Marte today. Mike, you got a player that you're buying today in DFS? Yeah, I got uh, two hitters for you. The first one being Marcelo Zuna, who's going for 5,400. He is 5 for 13 with the home row of Jared Eikhoff. And Eikhoff's having an awesome season. But to me, he lives in the zone a little bit too much, and I think Ozuna could burn him. Ozuna's Most of Ozuna's power comes against righties, and he loves hitting in Bush Stadium. So he makes his money against the four-seam fastball, and Eikhoff throws it 40% of the time. So I see a possibility for a big return there. The other guy is another power hitter in Nelson Cruz, who's going for 4,900. So he's two for two with the double career against Trent Thornton for the Blue Jays. It's crazy because I feel like Nelson Cruz doesn't age. He's in the 98th percentile and <laughs> exit velo, 94th percentile and hard hit, 95th percentile and in ex-woba. And like Ozuna, most of his power comes against righties. But Thornton's actually not that bad. Right. He throws four pitches plus fastball, 94 plus curve. He did go four and two-thirds, four and runs last time against Minnesota, so he struggled in that start. And I expect Cruz to, to get a hold of one in this one too. So I expect two homers in uh, by Ozuna, one by Ozuna and one by Cruz for your lineup today if you roster both those guys. Yeah, no, it's funny. Uh, when I look at Jared Eikhoff and they abbreviate his first name and it says Jay Eikhoff and I look at it really quickly, <laughs> I have to like double take because I'm not sure it doesn't say what I think it says. Um, another hitter that I like is uh, he'll have to spend some money, but he's going to be worth it. He's uh, facing Derek Holland. He has a 400 average against him, a 1700 OPS. I throw my money at Nolan Arenado. Uh, I just think that the, the matchup is just way too good. That's my second hitter. Uh, pitchers, you and I both like uh, the same pitcher, so I'll, I'll back off and I'll take a different pitcher. And again, I know it's chalky, but I think that this pitcher needs this matchup to get off the schneid and to start to become who he is, and that's Chris Sale pitching against Baltimore. I know that Arenado and Sale are going to be pricey, but sometimes you got to spend a little to win a little. So those are my DFSers for today. What about you, Miguel? Yeah, Matt Boyd, who I think everyone out there should like. His sure. uh, his ownage percentage will probably be very high today. He's having a fantastic year, 305 ERA, 11.57 Ks per nine. And he's really took the next step doing it with his four-seam and slider. Especially the four-seam, it's grading out as, as his best pitch this year, and it's been really effective. He has a swing strike rate of 15%. Like I said uh, earlier, I think I mentioned that the league average was 10%. And he's having success at home this year. The Angels, who he's facing today, are collectively hitting 194 against Boyd, and they're dead last in average against left-handed pitchers at 205 and 26th in OPS versus left-handers. So look for Boyd to have tremendous success today. And he's the third third most expensive pitcher off the board. I think Sale was one. Boyd's three at $9,500, but I think he, he'll be worth every penny. Yeah, and, and Boyd leads the league in war and FIP. And like I said, I know it's only the beginning of May, but that's a nice little trivia question. 
if you would ask 100 people who leads the league in war and fifth, how many of them are going to tell you that it's Matthew Boyd? Or Matteo Boyd, as they call him in Brooklyn. Uh, if you are looking at tomorrow, just a peek ahead at Thursday, uh, I know the lineups aren't going to be out, but just, just a quick look. Uh, Justin Turner has great success against Patrick Corbin. Uh, Turner likes sliders. Corbin throws sliders. Turner's hitting 414 against him. I think he's got like five extra base hits. Uh, another kind of chalky pick that I do like is uh, George Springer against Mike Miner. Springer's hitting like 350-something. I know a lot of people are on Mike Miner, but I just think that Springer's numbers are impressive against him. And lastly, Carlos Carrasco owns Chicago White Sox hitters, and he's another guy after getting beamed in the leg, I think it was. He also kind of needs the start to put his owner's uh, heads to bed, as they say. So if you're looking ahead to tomorrow, those are some some cute little options if you like them. You got anything for tomorrow? You're not even there yet. You are living the moment kind of guy. No, I'm not even there yet. But you mentioned Justin Turner. He did hit three bombs last night. So it would be nice to uh, get him during this breakout or at the beginning of the breakout, I should say, because he seems to be turning the corner. And the other two options, you said Carrasco seems like a good bet against the White Sox. I know he's uh, struggled a little bit here lately, but – He'll eventually turn it around. All his peripherals say that he will. So I don't mind those picks. I think uh, any of them, any of your picks today or tomorrow should should play pretty well. All right. That's the goal here to win people money. And it's we have it in our profile. Look, I like to use math and physics and numbers. Baseball can be a guessing game and baseball can be a gut game. But if you watch the game and you look at numbers, you have a better opportunity to win some money. And uh, to me, that's what it's all about. So, Mike, I have a question for you. Are you ready to put on your lab coat? I am. You are? Are you ready to, to get your Bunsen burner lit? I am. It's been a while, but I am. Do you have your safety goggles on? I do. Because you, know? <laughs> you had them on from before. I know, you perverted animal. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for us to go into the lab. To the lab without a mic to grab. So then I add all the rhymes I have. All right, Into the Lab is where we basically break down a particular sabermetric stat so that everyone can understand it. I said recently in an interview for the guys over at Fantrax and Joe Pisapia that I want to be able to explain whip to my grandma. And if I could do that, then I think that I could explain these metrics to anyone. When I was younger, I was able to explain whip to my grandma Jeannie, and I love her, rest her soul. So Mike and I today... We are going to break down the wonderfully sounding sabermetric stat of WOBA. Now, in my profile, I have my girlfriend knows what WOBA is, and I can't tell you how many people have messaged me to say that they think that's funny, but it's true. And the fact that she knows what WOBA is makes her incredibly, incredibly enticing to me. And once she starts yelling at me, it really doesn't matter that she knows what WOBA is. So, um, Mike, your, your thoughts initially on the Woba stat and why it's valuable? Well, I don't want to. I don't want to steal your thunder and give too much away here. You are the teacher, so I'll let you explain what Woba actually is. But as far as the value of it, I think it's it's just another step in the right direction in determining in determining what a player's value is and what a way to grade out what they're doing on the field more accurately, as opposed to counting everything the same like I said I don't want to give too much away so you could uh dive into that well gee Mike I think I appreciate you leaving some food for the rest of us to eat (laughs) all right so basically and again you got to understand that I I need to dumb this down because I'm not as bright as the next guy so WOBA 
weighted on base average is basically accounts for how a player reached base instead of simply considering whether or not he reached base. I hope that makes sense. It, it measures a player's overall offensive contributions every time he goes to the plate. It shows me a hitter's overall productivity. Now, I know people will say, well, what about slash line? If you don't know what slash line is, that's batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging. But they don't tell the whole story. Like, the value for each method of reaching base is determined by how much that event is worth in relation to scoring runs. So, an example, a double is worth more than a single. So, am I starting to explain this right? Yeah, I think you're on the right track. Okay, so all methods of reaching base are not equal. Right. Uh, so like I said, batting average and on-base percentage, it only goes so far in measuring a player's value. But WOBA assigns the proper value to each event as far as scoring runs. And I think as far as fantasy goes, it's a great way to measure a player's all-around talent at the plate. The better the purposing average when it gives the same value to a bloop single as it does to you know, a home run, so to speak. So WOBA is just a better look into offensive value. And to give you some ideas, an excellent WOBA is 400. An excellent batting average is what, three. Uh, a great, yeah, a great WOBA is 370. An above average WOBA is 340. And just so you know, the league leaders currently are Cody Bellinger with a 524 WOBA, which is beyond excellent. Christian Yelich with a 484 WOBA, beyond excellent. You, you hit it on the head, and it's pretty cool that we could do this in each episode and, and discuss all these advanced metrics for people that don't know. And uh, we're not assuming everyone out there doesn't know what WOBA is, but for the few that don't, this, is a, this will be a good tool for them to use in their fantasy leagues. Just one thing to keep in mind, um, the Fangraphs library has all the definitions of all the advanced metrics, and it's really a great, a great tool that you could use to, to find out what things are and how things work. But Fangraphs WOBA does not adjust for park factors, so players that hit in hitter-friendly parks will have slightly inflated WOBAs. So that's just something to keep in mind. It shouldn't make too much of a difference in, in how you determine a, a player's value considering their WOBA. But there's some guys on this list that – you would think aren't the real deal, but then you see their advanced peripherals and advanced stats like Brandon Lowe is in the top 15 in Woba. Uh, Christian Walker's in the top 20. Trey Mancini's 21. Jeff McNeil's 22. So it's interesting to see some of these guys that people probably think are just flukes or, or whatever the case may be, and them having such high Wobas and having such other numbers like WRC Plus and all the other things that we'll get into over the course of the next couple of weeks. So it's just something to keep an eye on when you're, when you're valuing or determining the value of players that you're considering maybe trading or dropping. You might want to think twice. You might want to think twice. Don't you threaten me, Mike. So um, our, our first episode came out, and my gosh, you know like when you open up your phone and you see that you have – uh, seven messages, six alerts, whatever. I opened up my phone and I, it was just like buzz, 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 buzz. There was like 47 text messages, 63 alerts. My Instagram was going up. People really loved the show, Mike. And the one complaint I got was they asked, who's the other guy on with Matt Stryker? And, oh, and, and, and I, I want to know, like, does that, does that, you know, does that hurt your feelings or are you going to try to to win over the fickle crowd? Wow, you really threw me under the bus here. First, <laughs> first you guys take me out of the graphic. and now I didn't do around. that. I now didn't talking about that. this. I guess uh, one baseball is not big enough for two faces, huh? That's what she said. <laughs> no, all kidding aside, uh, a lot of the messages were that 
they really believe that we're friends. So we have them fooled completely. They it's called it's, kayfabe, I believe. Oh, no. Isn't it called if, kayfabe? If it were, I wouldn't tell you, buddy. You know, um, uh, can I say something wrestling related here while we're on air? Because I just want to hear your response. I can see Matt's face. You guys can't see Matt's face when I say this. So it's pretty funny. Uh, pretty, pretty funny. Yeah, my face is funny. Thanks. Um, I was watching the dark side of wrestling i don't know if you're familiar with uh, it yeah on, uh, of course on viceland our good yes. buddies over at viceland make these great documentaries which one were you watching the montreal screwjob one and jim Cornette probably said the word kayfabe 20 times in a span of like four minutes it was probably the funniest thing and my girl just kept saying this guy's funny and i'm like if you only knew the story behind jim Cornette, i don't know if you'd be saying he's too funny Whoa. See, now that's the problem. Too many people listen to wrestling podcasts. They read dirt sheets. They think they know. What story are you talking about? Jim Cornette happens to be one of, if not the premier minds in our sport. And this man, Jim Cornette, has... Um, don't flip this on me. I didn't say no, anything no, no. bad about Jim Cornette. Okay, but, I don't, but I don't know the guy. I'm not saying anything bad about but him. But there are a lot of new generations of wrestling fans that don't like him because he has poo-pooed on a lot of the, the newer guys and, and attacked their psychology and things like that. And the thing about pro wrestling, same thing about baseball, is the game changes. And the difference is that I don't think Nolan Ryan is looking at Jordan Hicks and going, in my day, I threw 104. You know, it's just, it's different. But Cornette has his flavor of ice cream that he likes as far as wrestling goes. And he feels that a lot of the new stuff doesn't belong in his ice cream. And he's allowed to think that. The same way the new stuff has a place in other people's ice creams. So I think it's all just flavors of ice cream. And now all of a sudden, all I want is ice cream. What are you doing to me? It goes back to the, the whole bat flip situation, the tradition in the game, the way it used to be to the way it is now. So it's kind of a similarity in that, like you said, between the wrestling and baseball side of things. He likes the more, I would, I'm just going out on a limb here by what he said on the documentary. He's more of the technical wrestling type of guy, the more of the, you don't break kayfabe. Everything is supposed to, the illusion is still there. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're always wrong when it comes to wrestling. But the beauty is that the, uh, <laughs> those, those documentaries on Viceland are, are really insightful and they really give a, a different side to a sport that people don't realize as far as pro wrestling goes. It is, there's such a human side to it. Uh, the lives and the toll that the business and sport take on the men and women that choose to dedicate their life to it, it, it could be incredibly sobering. And a lot of times we can lose sight of that. So uh, I encourage people to go seek it out. I think, it, like I said, it's on Viceland. There's a Von Eric one. There's a Bruiser Brody one. Now Mike's talking about the Montreal Screwjob one. Uh, for those that are not going to go seek those out, there's a, a great slate of games tonight and a pitching matchup that jumped out to me that I wanted to get your thoughts on, Mike was the Diamondbacks at Tampa Bay. It's Robbie Ray going against Charlie Morton. Uh, would you touch that game in a DFS? Yeah, why not? I think uh, there's a couple of values to be had in that Tampa lineup against the left-handed pitcher. Morton's been great all year. There's there's signs of a little bit of regression in his peripherals, but I don't know if that's going to start tonight against the D-backs. I was hoping you would uh, say the Mets-Padres game. because I'm that getting seems there. Like, uh, I'm totally getting there. I was going to eat my eggs and talk about the Mets-Padres. So the thing I love is so uh, Mike and I are on the East Coast in New York, so when the, the Mets – Actually, this game will be a 3.40 p.m. Eastern time game. But for the past two nights, there's been baseball on at midnight. 
which is why my girlfriend hates it, which is awesome for me. But, uh, yeah, the uh, the Padres will throw Matt Stram, a, a guy that I own in a few leagues. And the Mets will go with an opener in Wilmer Font. But uh, considering the, the long game they had against the Brewers, I don't know how taxed that bullpen still is. I know that uh, the other night they, DeGrom gave them quite a few innings. But uh, do you think Wilmer Font goes more than, I don't know, five innings? No, I don't think he's been stretched out that far yet. I'm curious to find out and ask you, do you think anybody gets thrown out in this game last time they see each other for a little bit? No, I don't think it's like that, but um, I don't know. You know, after Alonzo the- had a big day yesterday. Alonzo had a huge night last night. And did you catch, after the Alonzo home run, the umpire went up to him and, and mentioned to the way that he discarded the bat. Now, when you watch the replay – you heard Alonzo say, yeah, I have a lot of pine tar on my gloves, so I had to kind of like flick the bat off. That's the only thing I can see there being some retaliation on. But uh, it makes for a very fun, fun series. And uh, I just like watching the Padres play baseball, to be honest with you. Yeah, they're, they're really awesome to watch this year. they got such a young team, and guys are really, really excelling. I'm, I was a little upset Edwin Diaz gave up another run last night. He uh, got into a bit of trouble in that ninth inning. Yeah. He walked Garcia, then Kinsler and Reyes followed with two singles. Then it was just a disaster for a little bit. But eventually he got Eric Hosmer on strikes, and then Hunter Renfro to ground out to, to end the game. So that's definitely going to be an intriguing matchup today, like you said. The Tampa Diamondbacks game is going to be intriguing. And whenever Clayton Kershaw pitches, it's intriguing. So that's another one to keep an eye on for uh, the 10 o'clock Eastern game. Yeah, and uh, the one one last game that catches my eye, it's a guy that I own this pitcher, and I also think that a lot of people should try to go out and buy low on this pitcher because I think owners that don't know as much or aren't as patient might be getting frustrated with Jack Flaherty who goes tonight for my St. Louis Cardinals against Jay Eikhoff of the Phillies. Uh, are you buying low on Jack Flaherty? I'm kind of timid when it comes to Flaherty. I'm, I'm not necessarily buying low or not buying low. I'm just, I'm just staying away at this point and, because the verdict's still out, in my opinion, on, on what he's bringing to the table. He should be better than he's been so far. I'd expect that to happen. So I don't know if I necessarily go out and buy low or just wait and, take a wait-and-see approach. All right, and another game that, that piques my interest only because it involves your favorite team and a guy whose name I love to say. It'll be the Mariners against the Yankees. The Yankees are starting Jonathan Loizaga. You were one of the first guys to, to talk up Domingo Herman. You and I had a conversation uh, in the beginning of the season. Who's going to make the roster, whether it be uh, Loizaga or Herman, who's going to be the starter, and, and you were touting Herman the whole entire time. But on the flip, it's the Mariners, and you say Kikuchi – I say Kikuchi Kuchi Ku. Uh, what do you think of the lefty so far? He's one and one. He's pitching to an ERA a couple of points under four, and he's got thirty-five strikeouts. Yeah, he's been he's been pretty pretty good. They're monitoring his innings. His uh, I think it was his last start or the start before they had Justice Sheffield coming in relief. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what to expect out of Kikuchi for season long, but he should be good today against the Yankees. The Yankees have uh, a bit of trouble against lefties. And same goes for Loizaga. He should have a good start today too. He he really brings it. He has a lot to bring to the table. I, I like his uh, approach when it comes to pitching, and I think he'll uh, succeed in the short stint he's going to have or maybe even long stint he's going to have here in the big leagues. Can you just say the name of the Mariners starting pitcher today for me, please? Yeah, Yusei Kikuchi. No, no, no. Say the second part of his name. It's no, I said his name. 
Come on, man. Just say it once. I can't do that. I can't. Oh, maybe. maybe if, he, if he goes out and throws a no-hitter tonight, I'll say it on the next episode. All right, there you have it. If you say Kikuchi throws a no-no, Mike will come on the next episode, and now I'm gonna, you're going to sing you say Kikuchi, I say Kikuchi, Kuchi, Koo, and you're going to do it in a British accent. Understand? Deal. 100% deal. All right. And what's, what's the bet going the other way? If he doesn't throw a no-hitter. You don't even need one. I'll... I know. It's... All right. All right, folks. Uh, we've, we've broken down a, a metric for you. We've given you some DFS options. We've talked about what's been going on in the league. Please feel free to email us or tweet us or Instagram us. What are the, what's it called on Instagram? Message us on Instagram. Uh, we are at uh, FantasyBBHour on Twitter. I am a real Matt Stryker on Instagram. I'm Matt underscore Stryker underscore on Twitter, writing for Razball, appearing on RotoWire. And uh, Mike has told me that I can change my Twitter handle. I did not know that. Yes, you can. You got to really keep up with the times, my friend. You could see me on uh, Twitter at Mike the Rotocop. Uh, obviously, we're podcasting now for Fantasy Radio at Fantasy Baseball Hour, like Matt said. And you could see some of my uh, DFS stuff at PitcherList.com and some of my writing at MesmerizedOnline.com. There you go. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on Audio Boom. Of course, a big thanks to the Fantasy Sports Network. For Mike the Rotocop, I am Matt Stryker. This has been your truncated fantasy baseball hour. Good luck. Be safe. Have fun. We'll see you out there.